0: Welcome to the Authentic Deb Podcast. I'm Debbie, and I'm your host for All Things Authentic. This podcast exists to bring people just like yourself from all over the world to share our stories, laugh at ourselves, and encourage each other along the way. Get ready to laugh, cry, and be empowered, but most of all to be you, because being you is enough. Authentic family. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Authentic Deb Podcast. We're going to talk about some serious stuff um, with my own journey as far as coming out. So if you feel like you need help and you need to talk to somebody, we do have numbers for GLBT hotlines and suicide prevention hotlines in there. Just don't want anybody to be uh, triggered. So just make sure you check out the show notes. All the information you need, or you can always reach out to me. Thanks. And thanks we for are live. So, thank you to all the early risers. This is the first inaugural broadcast of the Authentic Deb podcast on YouTube. I am coming at you today from Texarkana, Arkansas, in our little country house that we call Serenity Muse because it's so peaceful. And so this is what you're looking at, is the paint job that needs to be done on the ceiling. (laughs) It needs a lot of little stuff. But um, anyway, so today I have asked Bishop Randy Morgan from the Covenant Network and New Covenant Church of Atlanta to actually act as a guest host and interview me on the subject of, can you pray the gay away? So Bishop, I am really just honored that you would come and take your time. Uh, We're basically going to do for our listeners the same format. Uh, Bishop's gonna ask me whatever he wants. When, uh, if we have comments on the YouTube stream um, at the appropriate time, we'll, we'll take time to answer those. And then as always, he will ask me, Three questions, just like if um, as when I'm the host, I'm curious to see what he's going to ask me. Probably something off the wall and then I'll ask him and then we will wrap it up. So without further ado, um, Bishop, the floor is yours to be the first host of the Authentic Dev podcast.
1: Well, thank you. I love you so much. I love you and Susan so much. And I'm so grateful for who you are. And I'm thankful that you are in my life. And uh, I'm just so grateful to be on this podcast, this broadcast, and uh, it's, a, it's a subject that's very near and dear to my heart. Can you pray the gay away? Um, for me, for those of you that don't know my personal testimony, go back, watch The Authentic deb, or listen to the, the broadcast when we actually did the interview And I would just say to you that you can be a Christian, a believer in in the Lord Jesus Christ and a homosexual. Those two things are not mutually exclusive. So I love the fact that you're doing these interviews. I love the the subject topic. It's very near and dear to my heart. I war uh, over this constantly. uh, And so I'm very grateful for you and Susan, of course. Well, I guess the first question that I would want to ask here in this interview of you, uh, and on your broadcast is tell me a little bit about, it's not really a question. Tell me a little bit about your coming out story. How did you, uh, come out to yourself and to others?
0: Wow. Well, what had happened was, uh, you know, I was, uh, I have a 32 year old son, Benjamin, you know, I was, um, married. Um, let me set the background. I was married, had, uh, found the Lord officially, uh, as in terms of having an understanding, you know, um, when Benjamin was a baby and, and had uh, gotten saved and, you know, got baptized and, and, and all of that and really started walking with the Lord, developing a really strong relationship with the Lord, got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 33, which I thought was appropriate for the age, and um, was just really immersed into, into church, into the life of the church, um, was on the ministry teams at, at church. I went to a church that basically used to be a vineyard, uh, and then it When Vineyard went denominational, it just kind of went non-denominational. But it was a Vineyard in every sense of the way in terms of teaching. And so that's all my background for teaching, going down to the Vineyard Conferences and, you know, John Wimber when he was still alive and all of that. Um, Loved the worship and all of that. Started playing the guitar and uh, was on a separate little women's worship team, a ministry team. I led worship at a glow, my local a glow. Oh, so was yeah. uh, we did uh, hosted Bible studies in our home. So um, very, very, very involved prophetically with the life of the church and with worship and with all of that. And in the middle of all of that. I'd always had a sense, so this is kind of just a trigger warning for people, that there were certain things in my background in my childhood that, that I probably knew needed to be dealt with um, on a sexual abuse manner. And I didn't really want to deal with it. Once I, um, once I got filled with the Spirit and all these other things started happening, you know, with all these new things prophetically and all of these things, they really weren't new. It just all of a sudden I had language for it. I saw a vision. This is what happened. I was driving down the road, and we were doing a Bible study at church, like a women's Bible study, and I heard the Lord tell me that I needed to deal with my childhood, and I felt this just trembling inside "Mm -mm 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 -mm," you know, Um, and part of it was I couldn't remember a lot. It was more a sense of dread, and I said, no, there's, there's nothing. You know, I don't have any memories or any memories that I thought were valid enough. And I was driving down the road, and I saw a vision, like an open vision, which I don't normally see open visions. I saw an open vision of a lady in a briefcase with a dress. Now I used to wear dresses a lot, so I'm like, okay, whatever. And she had a little briefcase, and he said to me, (laughs) because I I said, I go, you could just heal me. And I think that's important because we weren't even talking about gay yet. I said, you could just heal me. Mm-hmm. So
1: you you were saying to the Lord about him him saying to you we need to deal with the sexual abuse. You were saying well you can just heal me.
0: Exactly. I'm, oh, I'm driving wow. down the road. I I know exactly what road I was on. Wow. Uh, 248. And I said you could just cuz I just talked out loud to him like I do sure. to you. I said you could just heal me and uh just heal me. Just make these feelings go away. Um I don't want to remember. Um and he showed me this picture of a lady in a briefcase. She was much thinner than me. So obviously God thinks I'm more or Svelte than I am. And she had a briefcase and he said, I could. But would you add this to your resume for me? And I'm going to use you with women all over the world.
1: Wow. Wow, wow, wow.
0: And, and I was like, well, if you put it that way. so <laughs> So what happened was. Uh, I started going to therapy Mm -hmm. and I had a big deal with going to therapy because I thought good little charismatic Christian women don't have to go to therapy.
1: Sure. Sure.
0: I was so judgmental against myself. Mm -hmm. Now I'm a big therapy advocate. Go to therapy. Uh, But I really, yeah, I really thought, You know, this is, I'm 33 years old, you know, and I'm like 33, 34 years old. I'm like, you could, you could just fix this. So I went because I know the voice of the Lord, Mm -hmm. even back then before I was very young in the prophetic and didn't really, even know what was going on. I knew that voice Mm -hmm. always. And so I'm like, so I started to go to therapy. And frankly, once I started to go to therapy, I started to disassociate quite a bit. And, um, through all of that, um, I got on those were back in the days where you had like chat channels like Merck and all these different sure. chat channels. So I was trying to tell my um, therapist kind of what was happening to me like, and she didn't really understand she didn't have a framework for it. So I started doing some Google searches and found a chat room for people that you know had some childhood abuse issues and disassociative issues. And through through that, I met Susan. Mm. So, long story short, by the time that I realized I had feelings for Susan and the coming out, I was dealing, I was in therapy for the abuse. I was in denial about the abuse. I was freaked out about the disassociative stuff. And then... I was having feelings for Susan and I was so angry at God, so angry at God and our relationship and all of that is like a much longer story. But through all of that, I remember when I met her in person, I had a prayer partner and I said, Oh, you can't go meet her. She's a lesbian. I'm like, you know, I have a lot of girlfriends. Why can't I I just have this person as a friend? So they had all these boundaries. Okay, call me after you meet her. Um, No, seriously. (laughs) When I said I was hardcore little charismatic housewife, I was boom.
1: I get it. Totally get it. And many people probably watching this. Um, You know, we're relatively conservative to be a predominantly gay group with the Covenant Network. And, and, you know, there's accountability with dating and all of that, but it's, it's amazing to me to, to just hear it sometimes in the mainstream, because absolutely some people can be so hardcore and I keep going with that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to oh, you. no, right. you, no, you're the host.
0: You can, this is the authentic Deb, hair is a mess. Absolutely. <laughs> hair is a mess, but I am dressed. You know, that's yeah, about You it.
1: look great. No, you I mean, great.
0: and I'm, thank you. I am. Saying a very, you know me, I'm an extrovert, so I'm gonna just laugh. But it it was a very stressful time because I felt like oh, I'm obeying your voice. Mm-hmm. You told me to go to therapy to experience the healing process mm-hmm. with abuse, and now I'm gay. <laughs> That is fantastic. <laughs> yes. And I'm going to, look, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit. For you, I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to say, what the heck? Right, 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 right. What?
1: Well, and and so you you did not realize any homosexuality within the context of your mind, not necessarily, until you started down this process and you met Susan and you were kind of like, whoa.
0: And, I had... Almost. I had one experience, not, not an experience. Susan is my one and done. That's what I call <laughs> sure, her. Sure. Um, growing up, especially in my teenage years, people always thought I was gay. Oh, Okay. And I could spot a gay woman. I could spot a gay man a mile away, not a gay woman. <laughs> and in high school, I was at a basketball camp. I played basketball in the summer. And I had a boyfriend and everything, but the camp, uh, one of the camp coaches I felt strongly attracted to, not like physically, just like attracted to, and it freaked me out. And she was definitely gay. I mean, she said all my radar is off and I was really strangely attracted to her. And I'm like, Oh my God, Oh my God. You know? And I, um, I remember I hurt my knee and she came in, it was all bloody and, you know, it's basketball camp. And she came to, like, dabble it off. And I remember she looked me in the eye, and there's this connection. I went, I'm good. And I, like, jumped off the table. I was 17 years old, bleeding and everything, you know. So I didn't have – but that was like, oh, my gosh. But that was the only instance.
1: Okay, so you, you had this uh, – you had – inklings but it was not absolute and so you were this believer you were um, Mm -hmm. you said you were a housewife that you actually were at home and you had a son and of course Mm -hmm. benjamin and i'm going to ask you about him in just a few minutes and Mm -hmm. so you're you're moving along with life you're going to therapy you're trying to get better in your mind your will and your emotions you're you're deconstructing some things you meet susan now in in the context of that Did you immediately come out to the church? Did they cast you out? Did you leave? How did your interaction with the church take place?
0: So we fast forward into the drama of leaving uh, the marriage. And I don't know if you'll ask me, ask me about it later about that process. But as far as coming out, uh, what happened was, you know and I had told you know Ben's father that you know was having these feelings and all this it wasn't like I just hit him up and said hey I'm, I'm leaving you I'm gay it was a process sure. where it was like you know I have an uncle who died of AIDS um, yeah. my uncle Tom who was a Christian and so then you know Ben's dad would go like was it hereditary did you get it from uncle Tom and I mean he was trying to kind of work it out and think it out with me but basically um, at the point that I knew that I was truly in love with Susan and that even if she, cause we had broken up, I said, Oh, I can't do this. I gotta be straight. That broke her heart. Like I said, that's a long story. But by the time I realized um, that I was gonna be, once I figured out that, that I was a lesbian, whether Susan was in my life or not, I always say, and I've talked to Benjamin at length about this, that it was the most selfish decision I've ever made. Mm. But, I'm, but sometimes you have to be because it was oh, a life sure. or death decision for me. And so I decided that even if Susan wouldn't take me back after I told her I'd leave my husband and, and then, you know, all the emotional back and forth that I it was like learning that you lived in a mansion and you thought you had a one room hotel. You know, it oh, was yeah. like this is who I am at the core. And so I told, told you know, Ben's dad, uh, you know, I said, I'm leaving. I've come back. I'm leaving. And I said, no, I really have to go. And so what happened at the church was all heck broke loose. Um, like I said, I was part of the prophetic team. And this and that. the first thing that happened was the uh, pastor's wife, who was like a mama to me. Uh, we had a two-story house. Just barged in my house, which normally would be fine. I'm kind of, you know, come as you are. I'm not real uptight about if somebody's in my real inner circle, which she was. She barges up to my house, comes up to my den in the bedroom, and starts to tell me that I am going to go to hell.
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Wait a doesn't even believe that. And this is this is something really important, especially for moms and dads to hear. She told me, now, at this time, Benjamin was, I want to say, eight. Hmm eight or nine. She told me that Benjamin first, she told me I owed it to my husband to stay married. Oh um, my goodness. That I, that I, that I wasn't gay. Mm. That um, this was just because of the sexual abuse and that um, Benjamin would end up in a mental asylum oh, my goodness. because of what I'm doing to the family
1: word curses goodness gracious
0: and I didn't know anything about word curses Mm -hmm. um man I can still feel some emotion behind that
1: oh sure and
0: and um and what that did was affected the way I parented Ben through all of those formative years because every time he just had a normal teenage boy emotion or whatever I I his entire childhood. I lived with the shame of any problem you're going through is my fault. Oh my goodness. And it wasn't until much later into his twenties that I figured out, I mean, even though you grow as a Christian, you know, that, no, that's not your fault. So that was the first thing that happened. The next thing that happened was the women's pastor, um, all of a sudden, I wasn't prophetic anymore. I was demonized. Oh, okay. Now, granted, the day before that, because we always had a meeting with the prophetic team before the service so that we could, you know, typical charismatic church. We're in there Absolutely. praying in tongues and prophesying, and then we, you know, and then we go out and we, we, we minister. So, the, yeah. the, And uh, I was very much involved in that. Well, all of a sudden, she tells me that she can see demons all around me. Mm. Um, I will say she came back years later and apologized for that. She's the only one. Wow. Yeah. Uh, she could see demons all around me and this was just because of the abuse or whatever I was going through and that I said, well, and I'm going to lose my prophetic gifting and everything. And I said, well, you know, the, the, the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. And she goes, well, now you're just splitting hairs. That's literally what she said to me. Now you're just splitting hairs. I go,
1: using the scripture to split hair. Okay. okay. Uh, That's
0: what I said. I said, I'm quoting scripture. And I go, how is it that I was anointed last Sunday when none of you knew? That's a good word. But now I'm not anointed.
1: Yeah, don't you find that to be very, very common, whether it's music ministers or especially music ministers, I could say that about our community, but but yeah. pastors, all of a sudden they they rewrite history, they're revisionists and they say, mm-hmm. Well, you know, I've always felt. It was like, well, if you always felt, why didn't you address it? You know, why didn't you say something? Um and it, it, it was a general it's a general tendency to lean in that direction. Well, during during this process of coming out, I can see that there was great pain from the church. This is very common among our community. Each story is individualized and very different, but the theme of church rejecting us is extraordinarily common, um, all too common, and often it leads to hopelessness, despondency, uh, great depression. Um, and sometimes even worse things. And and of course, uh, you know, I know that you're going to put up the suicide hotline in just a little while, but um, it it absolutely creates believers thinking they're reprobates, believers thinking that they have no place in the kingdom of God. It uh, just because they love someone of the same gender, it creates a real massive hopelessness. Um, When you came out, when you finally came out, the, the church revoked you. They, they rejected you. Um, yeah. So you see this, you're alone. There's six primary clobber passages in, in, the, in scripture about gay people. How did you come to a place? Because you're obviously, you love the Lord. You lead worship at different times. You've, you've been in ministry. You've done some things as a gay woman. Um, you've done all these things. When when did the dissonance between the church rejecting you and you coming into full fellowship again take place? Does that question make sense?
0: Yeah, well, I have to say that at the time, like say Romans one, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't have my Bible right in front of me, but since the beginning of time, God has made Himself known, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. worship idols, blah blah blah. I use that scripture all the time, but as a straight lady, I didn't know it was a clobber scripture. <laughs> I, 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 I'm an I'm an ex Mormon,
1: so oh, I had a ministry.
0: Wow. Yeah. I'm I had a ministry at the church called Target Outreach, which is a ministry to Mormons where I held monthly meetings and 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 told people how to what not to say to their family members. You know, there's things ways to say things. Sure. And so I was in ministry uh, for that. And um, so, yeah, I always looked at that about what I think it's supposed to be about, not worshiping idols and this and that. And, and in fact, if you go on, it says, as you once were.
1: As you once were. you know,
0: was. exactly. So they're not talking about homosexuals. They're talking right. about the idol worship and then the, the, the bear daddy, you know, the, the what's the word for it? But the, the men who would take young boys under them and they would groom them like their own Better son right. but they'd yes. ask yes and yeah. I'm like do we forget this scripture as you once were that's just like conveniently right. forgot so I never thought of it as a clocker scripture you'd have mm. to remind me of all the other ones off the top of my head but well, so for that one I didn't have a problem
1: yeah Leviticus 18 22 22 something the second one's in Leviticus uh Romans well man shall not lie with man is with the woman yeah. Romans one second Corinthians second Timothy yeah
0: it, it was difficult because even without looking at the clobber scriptures it's just ingrained in you that it's wrong
1: right and, they preach it they they don't even I've been in church and of course you've been, had this experience that you get into church and pastors yell homosexuals are going to hell and often they and, and of course Sodom and Gomorrah Genesis. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the exact location. They use these six as a blanket passage. They don't quote them. They don't dig. They don't exegete them. They don't actually resolve the fact that, like in Sodom and Gomorrah, that had nothing to do with homosexuality. It was a rape game, and rape right. whether Christian, whether uh whether same sex or heterosexual, homosexual, heterosexual, is wrong. And so we see yeah. this. And once we see it, we can't unsee it. We all of a sudden see that the Bible is our friend and not our enemy. And so I see you going through this process.
0: Oh, yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, that's fine. I love all your inputs. So what happened was once Susan and I uh, got together Uh and she moved um, from from Texas to Washington State, that first year I didn't open up my Bible, I didn't pray my good. Uh, play my guitar all i did was smoke cigarettes if susan uh susan doesn't drink if she'd been a drinker i probably would have been a raving drunk wow um and i uh huh i can't picture that yeah Yeah. i was smoking two or three packs a day i mean just chain smoking and my favorite album was jagged little pill by atlantis (laughs) (laughs) morsett
1: What a great well, album, though.
0: <laughs> it is a great album.
1: Isn't it and, ironic is one of my favorites. Oh, songs.
0: my gosh, yes. <laughs> don't you think? And I'll tell you something Ooh. funny about that, because I have to back up. When I finally decided to leave, and there was two main things that that helped me with my sexuality and reconciling. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, um, one of the last things I did before I really left the church is I was leading worship uh, at an aglow retreat. And I was very conflicted because I, I hadn't done anything yet with Susan, but I just I knew. And I remember looking up to the, it was a very starry night. And by this time I started smoking because of the stress and we just done for a singer anyway. So I'm looking up at the stars as a very starry night. And I'm like, I was so angry at God. Mm. I was angry at God. It's like, you told me to do this. And now this is happening. And now I'm in this impossible situation. Mm. And I remember saying to him, I'm going to go over here. I think a lot of people say that. I love you. I'm angry. I'm super pissed at you. I am Mm. incredibly upset with you because my whole life, I either got to suppress who I am and die inside or I have to, leave the environment the cozy accepted environment and for somebody especially with sexual abuse advisors anybody who already deals with insecurity and rejection and now on just a in life and now i'm going to put myself in a situation where i'm going to take on more rejection shoot Mm. me now and i say that funny but there was lots of times where i wanted to die i mean i would wake up and just go can i have an aneurysm today sure sure. i I was never brave enough to kill myself because i didn't want to die but i didn't want to have to leave my family and put them through the shame so i would literally look out my window and say i wonder if somebody will just have road rage and run me over i wonder if i'll just and so because i did not want to have to put benjamin and and my husband at the time and all of my family through the shame of having a gay mom a gay wife or this or that so uh, suicide was a very real thing although I just I didn't want to you know right. It, right it so I'll I'll put that up there so it it was a very serious thing but um, when the, the what helped me was when the first year so the first year Susan and I were together I didn't open up my Bible didn't open up my guitar. Did not play my guitar. Listen wow. listened to Atlanta set on repeat, but every time I listened to her, I would break out in tons. Oh, wow. And I was
1: sure. pissed. It's very interesting. I was interesting.
0: mad at God. Yeah. I am mad at you. I am not praying. I am not going to church. Because there was lots of other, we could talk so much. There was lots of other rejection from church. There was so much rejection. Lost all my spiritual mamas because I had a prophetic group where I learned to prophesy and everything. I lost all of that. People told me they'd only be in my life if I never mentioned Susan. Wow. Don't don't tell me what movie you went to where the, it was like no you you, you it was terrible, but um, I would always want to pray in the spirit when I listened to the More set and it pissed me off. I'm like no oh. I'm not talking to you right now, you know. Um, but after a year, the two main things that happened was meeting, um, this is what happened. Uh, I had a vision, another open vision. Seems like the really pivotal things in my life are open visions.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, I see vision all the time, but for the open visions, there's probably a couple handfuls, but I was in the mirror. I was getting ready for something and I saw an open vision of, my myself and I was black and charred and decaying. Mm. So like, you're like, I'm seeing me right now, but it was superimposed over me. And I kind of looked at that. Like, what is that? And the Lord said, um, I'm trying to find the right phrase. He said, you, uh, you've put on the dead man. You put on the old man. Wow. And I was like, Wow. And so I went and started looking it up and started researching about, you know, when somebody had a really grave thing that they were, you know, back in the day, if they were found guilty of something really grave, sometimes they would put the body of the dead man on their back and they would have to carry it as a punishment. And then the infection and everything from the dead man would seep into the alive man. Yeah. And that struck me. And I didn't know that. I mean, I just know that I hear the voice of the Lord. He says, you've put on the dead man and it's killing you. Yeah. And it was a wow. wake up.
1: And so it, what you believe was the Lord speaking to you specifically when he said that he's speaking to you specifically about your, your feelings, your, your mind, your will, emotions. What was he speaking about specifically the way you were handling things? What was yeah. it? That pretty specific?
0: much the way that, um, I had reverted back to probably, you know, teenage Debbie or or mm. pre-married Debbie. Just, you know, anything that came out of my mouth was uh, foul, just smoking, no interest in spirituality
1: Wow, at,
0: at all. Um,
1: I can't picture that. That's just wild.
0: I, yeah. Um, I like to... I said, I would have been a raving drunk if Susan was a drinker.
1: I want to say this about praying in tongues. It's so interesting that you did that with Alanis Morissette playing. I was, uh, when I first came out, I was very upset with God with, with, you know, there were things that were going on in my life, very similar to what you just said. But I was also, I was a drinker before I met Johnny. And um, I, when I came out, I found my solace in clubs and I would drive home drunk. And and it, this is just a terrible statement, but there were many times that I I had drunk too much and I was trying to get home. But out of my belly, when I was listening to the music to help me stay alert, out of my belly would come prayer language. And the Lord told me many years ago, he said, during that time, I saved your life because you released prayer. You released words that kept you alive when you should have died. And he said, yeah. the things that you prayed about kept you on this path. So I find it very interesting that you brought up the spirit-filled life of praying in the spirit. You know, a lot of times charismatics, you know, make light of it, have fun with it. completely understand. But that stuff, when we don't know what to say, when there's a confusion between us and God, when there's misalignment, when we begin to pray in the spirit, he can save our lives. So thank you for sharing oh,
0: yeah. that. Oh, yeah, it was it was almost every time huh? I guess I'm going to pray in the spirit now, you know, because otherwise I wasn't. So what happened was when I saw, when I saw that, that was probably around 99, 1999. Wow. When I saw that, I started researching it because at heart, you know, I, I like to dig in, but I had not opened up my Bible for nothing. Sure. So once I saw that, I was like, you know, um, Okay. And so Susan and I started talking about spirituality a little bit. And we started doing searches for GLBT churches in the area. Wow. And yeah, and we couldn't find any. And I said, I cannot be, we cannot be the only charismatic. We had gone to some other affirming churches, but we're charismatics, both of us. So it was like, sure. we cannot be the only. Uh, charismatic lesbians in the state of Washington. So you asked me, um, how did I how did I get there? Two yeah. main things happened. So I did a search, and I found uh, Apostle Dale's Church. I can't remember if it was the Open Church. He had a name prior to Believers Covenant, and it said Washington. And so it was LGBT charismatic. It was all out there. And I was so excited. And I clicked on it and it said DC. And I was like, you are freaking kidding me. I was so upset. Washington. Yeah. I was yeah. so upset, but yeah. I was so desperate that I did something I've never done before. And I've never done since, which was click contact me. Oh, wow. And I clicked content me and just kind of poured out my heart He writes me back, and then he gets me in touch with Pastor Brenda, which is how I met Pastor Brenda before I ever met you or anybody from the Covenant Network, and they start ministering to me. And then then he goes to the um, Star of Hope Conference, which is now defunct in Dallas, and he meets Pastor Juanita Gates. And he calls me and says, "I have a pastor in your state who is opening up a little home Bible study and everything. She's charismatic, da 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 da. Can I get you in touch with her?" And I said, "Sure." And so we got in touch with Pastor Juanita. Wow! And uh, first, I was, we were all excited till we found out she lived in Vancouver, uh, Vancouver, Washington, which is about three hours. Yeah. Well, here's another thing of a open vision. God is so good to me. I was so upset that she was so far away. Now we drive everywhere. You know, you and I, you know, we traveled (laughs) on the Covenant Network. We went all over the United Uh, States. At the time, if anything was more than an hour, I just couldn't stand it. Right. So I felt crushed that that she was so far away and I was driving into our condo and again I don't know the Lord's I think the Lord likes to speak to me in in showers and in cars where I don't have a lot of time to argue with him
1: (laughs) so Um, I get that
0: (laughs) I I was complaining it's Mm -hmm. so funny that there's certain things I know the stoplight I was at all these things I was complaining and why this is just so blah 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 and I'm just Word vomiting, you know, God is like, get it out, daughter, hurry up so I can talk to you, you know. And I saw a vision of maybe sure i wrong, Naaman, correct? Naaman? What was that? Deliver. Naaman? Oh, yeah, yeah, Naaman. Naaman the letter, yeah. And going into the water to be healed. And I heard the Lord say, I'm driving, I'm seeing this open vision. And he very clearly said to me, how badly do you want to be healed? Wow. And I just looked up and I went, I guess I'm driving to Vancouver. You know, and it was like, okay, Lord, you know. And so Susan and I started driving down there on Friday nights. We would spend the night and come back Sunday. Through that, uh, Dale had his first conference in 2000. the, the, The glorious church conference.
1: I was there. I remember
0: that. I wow. know. That's where I met you, yeah, Bishop yeah. Bonnie Radden. Um, uh-huh. I met, oh, my gosh. Zoila wasn't at that one. No. Um, met Brenda in person, you know, uh, yeah. and, and a lot of others. It, it's at that conference that God called, called us to start a church. That's a different story. But through that, then just the teachings there and then really Shaw's ministry.
1: Wow. I love Shaw.
0: Yeah. And Shaw's ministry and her CDs and just through those network of people starting to come uh, more to terms, more to terms with it. I can't say that I ever really dug, dug hard into the Clover scriptures, but I got teaching, like what really happened at Sodom and Gomorrah, you know?
1: Right. Now, did you, you, you actually did, was Shaw's CDs, the the DVDs that she did? Were they uh, things that you listened to early on?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I went to things in person with her.
1: Okay. The funny thing about those DVDs, they were recorded at New Covenant at And I didn't know that. Yeah. So we love Shaw. We're fans of Shaw. Every time we see those DVDs, I recently inherited uh, some things as a gift from somebody. And in that box... There was these DVDs of Shaw, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I remember the day these were recorded at the church." So I, I just love that. If anybody can get a hold of those DVDs, I strongly yeah. encourage you to Shaw. Yeah, I'd
0: like to find her again. So all of those things of just being back around and affirming affirming people um, was really, really, really helpful in in terms of that but it was really um you know what was interesting um we know we have people like kathy baldock you know straight straight allies um uh, there are certain things i think in life that it's your either your calling or you're not
1: right right
0: and that you have energy for or that you don't and it, I was never one to go, let me dig into all the scriptures and prove to you why I'm okay. It was just such a struggle to know that I was okay. And I still, you know, I don't struggle with it now at all. But there was uh, still, you know, struggles, you know, through the years, little doubts that would come. And at some point, God would give me these little God hints all along the way, like we went to um. We were at a conference. We used to go to a lot of conferences, um, prophetic conferences, you know, and we would just not hold hands or this or that, you know, we would go and get fed. Um, And we went to this one conference and everybody, like all my prayer partners and everybody used to be there, were there. All my old Mm -hmm. prayer partners and everything. And so I always felt like, you know, if I saw somebody old from church in the store, I would turn the other way because I just didn't want to.
1: I know that feeling. Sure, yeah, sure. I would just
0: walk down the other aisle. But we were there, and um, at the end of it, well, the, it was Larry Randolph, the prophet, Larry Randolph. I don't know if you know him. Yeah,
1: yeah, I know the name. He,
0: mm. he was there, and he turned around and gave me this word in front of everybody. And it was a really powerful word, and um, I think I have it written down somewhere. And, I mean, I have most of my words written down, but this wasn't a conference where, like, they gave it. To you, you know, but he's talking about you know you're Deborah and you're a warrior and God has need of you and da 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 da. Now this is probably 18 years ago now, and it was a super powerful affirming word, and I didn't, it wasn't lost on me that he said that around all these other people, you know that that were there that I knew that was making me uncomfortable being in the same room. But I took it kind of like as a God wink, like I got you. And then at that same conference on the very last day, um, because my old prayer partner was there and I said, can we just, you know, could you just love me? I remember like getting real vulnerable. Like, could you just love me for me? And she kind of got soft and said, yeah, but you know, our relationship never really, went anywhere but there was this moment of vulnerability like i know that you don't agree but could you just love me it's like it was like me saying my god i just need to be loved by this, my church yeah. family
1: this right here what you're touching on right now is is the real deal um loving without uh see we can discern something in someone and not love that part of them like for example there, there are all kinds of things that people can feel about me, disagree with me about, but they can still love me and I can love them and love it, this, un- this concept of unconditional love has to be led of the spirit. And so I hear you saying this, this right here is the, the, the real crux of the matter. You know, you can ju- people come to me all the time and say, how do you justify these six scriptures in the Bible that seemingly talk about gay people? And I say, before you answer that, let me just tell you something. You are loved, number one. And um, number two, you just have to experience that love for yourself. So before we go into those scriptures, before we get up here, let's get down here. And that's so much about what I hear in your testimony is that you drop to the here before you got up to the here. Um, And so I'm so grateful for that. Now, let me ask you this. You had laid Mm -hmm. down your guitar You had completely distanced yourself from that because you were upset with God. There was all this uh, stuff inside of you that had not—you had not. I want to say this, Mm -hmm. and I don't mean it the way I say it. There, there was stuff you had not forgiven God, and and I, anybody gets yeah, to that? Yeah. I, I don't want you to, I don't want you to go, because God never needs forgiveness because He's perfect in all His right. ways. But sometimes we have to let go of our offense with God yeah. for something. But, but you ha- you held on to this. Your guitar was put away. Your psalmist anointing was put away. Um, you were smoking listening to Alanis Morissette um which is a great <laughs> album like
0: a sailor yeah
1: <laughs> all of that
0: uh, every time Susan kissed me the first year when she come home from work she'd give me a little peck I would start crying
1: oh my goodness bless your heart and argument, i would please. cry
0: because it felt right and i felt guilty
1: and so yeah and you fit, you went into this season of the spirit filled movement you met apostle Dale Jarrett you you met Pastor Juanita. God love her. I love her yeah, so much. She's Aww. with the Lord yeah. now. Yeah. Um, you, you went into all of this. The prophetic was key in your life because you heard from God. You had prophetic voices that had spoken into your life. I hear this about Larry Randolph's prophesying, mm-hmm. speaking into your life. It built a foundation on a scale of one to 10. How this is a side question. Then I want to go back to my train of thought there. On mm-hmm. a scale of one to 10, how important would you say the prophetic was in rescuing your life? 10. Okay. All right. And people need to hear that because, you know, prophetic utterance is one of the most important things. Anybody, especially us as gay people, um, LGBTQ people, we need the prophetic voices in our life.
0: But okay.
1: Yeah. Go okay. ahead. No, you go ahead. You're about to say something.
0: I wanted to share why I say 10 Okay. when I was still married and a little aglow house worship uh, house how you know worship uh, leader and all of this Susan wasn't even in my life she was several years removed I was at a women's uh, a women's you know a women's meeting in the morning different church very prophetic prophet pastor and she was uh, doing her Bible study. And then at the end, she started to prophesy. The awesome thing was when I was a brand new Christian, I was like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. And then I had grown to where, oh, you know, bless you. I'm glad you got that word. Oh, I'll take that. You know, and I'm, I progressed from being needy to just being able. So I was at this progression point of my life. Like, oh, that's awesome, you know. And I was sitting in the very back. And I have this one all written down because I got the tape. This is probably at least a couple of years before I met Susan, before I started going through therapy. Before I'm just straight, okay? I am a straight little housewife with my cozy Christian community. Mm -hmm. Not an ounce of anything. And she turned to me, I will send it to you if you ever want it. She went, Sing, O daughter of Zion. Now, I wasn't even on the worship team yet. I was just peddling with the guitar. And she said, for the Lord would say to you that I've called you a prophet, a prophet of much music. And she said, you have been, um, oh, what did she say? She goes, you have been thrown out and cast out because you don't fit what others are. And And she went on and on about, she goes, you are basically misunderstood and this and that. She goes, and they have thrown you away. But at, hear my voice. You will minister to the throwaways.
1: Wow. Praise God.
0: Yeah. And she went on for other stuff. And,
1: um, and see, I find that to be so exciting because the prophetic, I was introduced to it when I was in my early teens and it, it it saved my life. And for those that, let me ask you this, for those who don't understand what we mean when we say prophetic, that their only mindset, their only thought is, you know, uh, prophetic means the book of Revelation, I think, or something way off in the future. What is your simplest definition of the prophetic?
0: My simplest definition of the prophetic is something that encourages you and and edifies you that that comes from the spirit of God.
1: Amen. Amen. I love that definition. That would be my definition. When God speaks through somebody to somebody, for something and um, to edify them, to build them up, to strengthen them. And so, you know, a lot of times we use these words and people may not understand what they are, but I, I hear in your life, something that I hear quite common in coming out stories is that God used people to speak into our lives. But a lot of that was revoked when we came out. We thought it was, they thought it was. But see, I hear in your testimony this morning, and I just love this, that all the words that were spoken over you still stand. Yes. And that thrills me. Um, it thrills me. Go ahead.
0: No, it's so good because when you the prophetic, because the prophetic is also what what God shows you. Um There and it has everything to do with the being okay. When because I'm what I'm trying to do is quantify. When I say I didn't dig deep into the scriptures on the particular clobber scriptures, yes, I came into fellowship with you and others just through that network of people. And but it was the words, the things that God spoke to me before, I even knew what the prophetic was. When I was, I'll tell you a sidebar story. Because these it's like God, God who knows all sets you up, yeah, <laughs> to handle what is coming. When yeah. I was a very young mom, brand new in the spirit, just baptized in the spirit, Ben was still, you know, um he was young, younger and I, uh, my mornings were spent just worshiping in the house and I was a housewife and dancing around the room and I used to dance around the room. I had some messianic music that was Hebrew and English. I would, I would open up my eyes and be up against the wall. I don't even know how I got there. I was just a closet dancer in our big living room. And I had this very kind of scary, weird experience when, when I would go to worship when I was younger. I'm 57 now. So when I was younger, I would turn off. We didn't have cell phones, uh, but I would unplug the phone, the physical phone, and make sure everything is turned off because I dedicated all that time to the Lord. Ben's dad, Amen. for work. And I would just pray in tongues and dance all over and journals and journals of seeing visions and looking up what they mean and colors. And I did all the self stuff on my own. And uh, the phone went off and I stopped. And I'm like, wait a minute. The phone's not plugged in. And the the phone started going off. And um, all of a sudden, I got kind of scared. I'm like, what (laughs) what the heck is going on? And the Lord started to speak to me. And he says, I want to use you. Now, I was literally like 33 years old, just baptized in the spirit, maybe 34, probably 33, though, because... And he says, I want to use you I'm like, uh, you know, I even went and checked the phone and it went off again. I'm like, OK, you have my attention. And but I was freaked out, too. I, I'm not like, you know, I was freaked out. And um, he, he said, I want to use you. And I remember saying because it was my biggest crutch, anything but Benjamin. Anything but Benjamin. I was so scared that God was going to ask me to somehow sacrifice my son, which gets back to that word curse that was over my life was so terrible. I said, anything but Benjamin. And basically the Lord said, I want to take you. This is before he told me to go get therapy. This is before all of that. He said, I want to take you on a journey, but it's going to cost you everything. Wow. And I said, anything but Ben, you cannot have my son. I will obey you for everything but him. Um, and I didn't know what it meant. So then, you know, six months later, a year later, whenever it was, I get that word from that lady, single daughter of Zion. Well, I was barely plucking at the guitar, yeah. you know, but I would have wonderful prophetic anointed times alone, the song of the Lord, and everything, but I was very hidden. Nobody really knew my prophetic gifting or my worship gifting. Had a lot of insecurity, a lot of doubts. So I was very, very hidden. The first time somebody told me I was a psalmist of a glow, I had to ask what it was. I didn't even know.
1: <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. So all we of have, these, we have a lot of language for things. Yes. So <laughs>
0: By the time I got into, you know, all the people that we know now, it wasn't so much the clover scriptures as much as the teaching about them and remembering the words single daughter of Zion, I've called you to minister to the throwaways, Mark, my word, they have thrown you away. Wow. You will minister to the throwaways. So that, you know, and then these little things. So like the Larry Randolph thing or the, 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 the phone ringing when there was no phone plugged in and the, you know, stuff like, you know, stuff like that was, and I've always remembered that. So I always had those like, you knew, you knew then, what you were asking me to do, yeah. and it was those things that helped me. And then I have writings and writings. You can, my handwriting's crappy, but I used to journal everything by hand, and I'm, I'm kind of back and forth now. But um, I have old journals. Ask Susan. We have big plastic boxes of, of just the wire journals, oh, and sure. you can writing and then you see my handwriting change and it's like I've got prophecies in there like I'm prophesying to myself so I'd say people we've got to be able to hear for yourself I love to get words but I don't need to get a word from Bishop Brandy Morgan right it's great I'll take it Shaba you know yeah. uh, but I know how to prophesy to myself I could get a piece of paper right now and say daughter the Lord says to you boom 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 boom
1: absolutely boom.
0: And yep. I had that uh, all my
1: life. Praise God. Praise God. And and I wanna I wanna say this real quick, and then I know we're we're coming yeah, to we're an end of this. Yeah. yeah, we gotta wrap up. But um I want to say that it sounds to me like, and, and I just I want to say back to you what I feel like I hear your testimony is. Um as a kid, it seems that you were involved in spirituality. Um, you didn't know what to call it. Uh, you, you just kind of were there, you, you did all the things you got married, you had a son, you, you were, there was abuse in your life and I'm not trying to, to uh, short your testimony. I'm just right. trying to summarize it. it you, you had a son, uh, you moved on through the years. You, you, as you began, as God led you, as God led you down a path of deliverance and healing of freedom internally, you found out you were a homosexual in that process. So you were a, God led you into discovering your sexual orientation. You, you lost church, you lost a marriage, you lost everything. You, you met this woman who is amazing, Susan, and you, you started a relationship with her. Benjamin came alongside of you, your son. And, Mm -hmm. um, He's supportive still to this day. Is that a correct oh, yeah. statement?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're very close.
1: And so as you came through this, the Lord yet again began to deal with you, put right people in your life, brought you up and out of all of this oppression, depression, sadness, rejection, and restored your psalmist anointing, mm-hmm. restored your heart for worship, mm-hmm. uh, restored your family, restored your church in your life in mm-hmm. so many ways not in every way yeah. but in so many ways right. and so you've come to this place on a scale of one to ten how much do you love your life right now
0: uh, my life is a 10 i mean it really is you know it was funny i was talking to susan um i'm genuinely happy Praise God. And, and does that mean everything's perfect? No, but I'm genuinely happy, even with the COVID stuff. I am it's it's terrible, but it my word for the year I was telling Zoila this the other day. Um, sometimes I do word for the year. Last year I didn't. This year, right at right at the end of December, the Lord said your word is peace. And mm-hmm. Philippians 4, 6 through 9, you know, don't be anxious about anything, to Debbie paraphrase, but in all things with prayer and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. People usually stop there, but it says, therefore, whatever is pure and lovely and of a good report, think on these things, then they'll stop there, but then it says, do and see what I have told you and showed you, basically sure. by paraphrase, and the God of peace will be with you. And so I took that at the start of the year and said, Debbie, whatever is good and pure and lovely, and then changed the words, which I often do with scripture to make them more personal. And it's on my screensaver at my desk. So even before I knew about COVID, this thing about peace, God was like, And so when I'd be at work and I would be stressed, I'd say, don't be anxious for anything. But with everything in prayer and petition, and I would just start reading it and praying in the spirit because work is very stressful for me. So Mm -hmm. it's just so interesting that God is always setting me up ahead of time and he has my entire life. Yeah.
1: And that's so obvious in your testimony. Um, Now, do you want me to transition into my silly questions? Yes. Okay.
0: Anything else do you want to ask?
1: <laughs> well, um, I have three silly questions.
0: Okay.
1: Number one, what do you think of pineapple on pizza? Gross. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, how much do you love RuPaul's Drag Race?
0: Never watched it. Not interested. Oh. I'm sorry.
1: But oh, that's and OK. I forgive. a me. drag
0: show to like, you know, because there's a friend or something, you know, I went to a drag show. What was it? I don't know, about four months ago. And it was kind of but it wasn't like a professional one. I think if I went to a professional one, it would be really cool. But uh no, I've never watched one. Oh, I my goodness. It is.
1: <laughs> some of the deepest spirituality and, and cry for God. Comes out on that show, the drag queens okay. will just be campy. Yeah, they'll be campy, 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 campy for episode after episode after episode. And then all of a sudden, one of them will say, "Well, I was raised in church," and tears will begin to stream down their face. There's a cry. It's the. I think I think you ought to give it a shot.
0: Okay. Um,
1: yes. RuPaul's okay. Drag and, right. <laughs> RuPaul's a Drag Race. And then my third question: Would you ever have an iguana as a pet? Uh
0: no. Only because. <laughs> If, if Benjamin, if you'd ask me that, well, how big are those suckers?
1: Iguanas can get huge. They can get as big as 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 a person.
0: Uh, yeah, then no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have chickens here at the country house. When we retire here, Susan wants some chickens. I'm like, yeah, no. And then uh, <laughs> uh, I don't want to deal with the poop or anything, you know. And she'll probably win out, especially if we buy the more acreage behind us. But um, I don't. Really, particularly want them. So uh, that was good. Let's see. I don't think I even came up with a question for you. I will say syrup on your pancakes, hot or cold?
1: Oh, um, if I have the choice, hot.
0: Um, Absolutely. What is wrong with people?
1: I don't know. It, it it Cold, cold syrup turns your pancakes into a soggy mush quicker than warm syrup.
0: And and well, it doesn't melt the butter or anything. So these are very important things. If you're going to be my friend, we're really going to have to go with hot
1: syrup. <laughs> it's funny you'd ask this. We just had pancakes a night before last. Johnny has a griddle um, that was given to us by a friend. And, um, you know, he was making pancakes and, and I was like, oh, I can't stand cold syrup on pancakes. It's funny. It's prophetic that you would ask me this. You <laughs> saw it right. uh, the spirit. Uh, <laughs> saw my biggest struggle recently. So.
0: <laughs> well, uh, so, folks, thank you for joining us. I know you'll watch later. If you have any questions at all, I'm going to have more show notes in there with all the phone numbers. Uh, If you want to reach out to me to get you in touch with people, that's great. And thanks for listening. And Randy, thanks for being an awesome guest host.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I love this. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Authentic Deb Podcast. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and connect with me at AuthenticDeb.com. There you can book a session with me and request to be a guest on the show. So until next time, this is Authentic Deb signing out. And remember, be you because being you is enough.